So if you could pick a preacher from the Gospels, if you could pick a Gospel writer as your preacher, who would you choose? If you know the Gospels, there are Matthew, there's Mark, Luke, and John. And if you could pick one of their churches to go to, where would you go to church? A friend of mine asked me that question a few weeks ago, and I thought, well, Matthew's good, Mark's good, Luke, John, they're all really good. And after thinking a little bit, I'm like, I think I'd pick Luke. I think I'd want to go to Luke's church. Because when you read through the Gospel of Luke, he's pretty, cont- he's pretty set on... There's a lot of different people that come to Jesus. And you've got, you've got a lot of focus on, on women and that they're welcomed. And there's, there's the Gentiles, those who are not of the religious Jewish faith. They're, they're welcome. There's older people coming. There's just different walks. There's lots of sinners around Jesus in Luke's Gospel. I, said, I think I'd pick Luke's Gospel. I think I'd pick Luke as my preacher. In our journey today, I want to invite you to to the Gospel of Luke. And through this year, we've been focusing on the disciples' journey, not the disciples, all of us, as followers of Jesus, that we need, we're on this journey. And last month in January, we looked at the journey through the Word and the Bible, that, that as disciples of Jesus, we need to get into God's Word. If we're going to grow in our walk with Jesus, we need the Bible. And from now through Easter and the first week or so of May, we're going to be in Luke's gospel, and we just want to journey with Jesus. I just want to invite you to read along in Luke's gospel the next few weeks and just <laughs> walk with Jesus. <coughs> I hope I can make it through without just coughing, but uh, we'll do our best. So, journey with Jesus in Luke's gospel, and I want to today just give us a bird's eye view of what's this book about. So, I invite you to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke starts out, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Now, as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, none of them sign their work. So we're taking it on some tradition that this is a a guy named Luke. Uh, But he says us, he's in there. Uh, The the titles were added later, then they simply said, according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John. So we're looking at Luke here. (laughs) He's saying that there's other people that have written some stories about Jesus, There are many other things that are happening uh, that have been written down and that have been fulfilled among us. There are some things from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't show up here in verses 1 through 4. He's going to show up a little bit later. We say there's many people that have done that. Verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who from first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. So he's saying there's some people that actually saw this stuff happen. And there were people that were handling this word with, with great care. These servants of the word, these teachers, they've given it to us. Verse 3, with this in mind, since I myself, that's Luke writing, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Thank you, John. I might need that. 
Appreciate it, brother. This is good and cold, too. So Luke's writing says, there's a lot of people written this stuff down. I want you to know for certain. So the Gospels, uh, here's what I want to say. This good news brings us confidence to know Jesus better. This good news that's written down here in the Gospel helps us to know Jesus better. <laughs> He's got this guy named Theophilus. Oh, golly, this is awful today. He has this guy named Theophilus. He's described as most excellent Theophilus. We're going to find out a little bit about what's going on here with Theophilus. His name simply means one who loves God. One who loves God. We really don't know who he is, though. He shows up in Acts chapter 1 as well, the second volume of Luke. And so as we look at these, this gospel account, Luke 1, 1 through 4, we find out that this good news brings us confidence to know Jesus better. And if you were to go to Luke's church, I think you'd have a few values. And one of those values would be that he values accuracy. Luke values accuracy. Look here, he says, I carefully investigated everything. I've, set, I've decided to write an orderly account. So it's almost the picture of, of soldiers who are lined up, rank and file, right in order. He says that I have lined them up for you. I have ordered this account. And it's not just like a chronological order. He's like, I've got a plan here. And I want you to know who this Jesus is. He's accurate. There's lots of details Pay attention to that. I want to <laughs> take you to Luke chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Luke 3, 1 through 3. As you're reading through Luke's gospel the next few weeks, I want you to pay attention to names and places. It's almost like history, right? <laughs> but so let me have a prayer here so we can get this thing going, okay? Father, thank you for this time in your word. I pray this cough away. Help me to have Holy Spirit power in this moment to communicate your word with no distractions. Lord, we want to see you, Jesus. Amen. Pay attention to your names, the places, what's going on. Luke likes these details. As you read through chapter 3, 1 through 3. He says, in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. Is that important for us? Yes, this stuff actually happened. And there were Roman governors, Roman rulers, Caesars. We can point this stuff out <laughs> in time and history. In the 15th year of reign of Tiberius Caesar. When <coughs> Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. So we've got another name, another ruler. We have a place now, Judea. Herod, Tetrarch, that means a governor of a fourth of a region, was governor <coughs> of Galilee. <coughs> His brother Philip, Tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas, Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went out to the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As you read through there, there are several different people identified. These are people both inside and outside of the Bible. These people are both you know, Roman pagan guys as well as the high priesthood there in Jerusalem. So pay attention to these details. In, in Luke's gospel, he is paying attention to accuracy. We have an orderly account. 
Flip the page to chapter 2. This is important. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus, again a Roman Caesar, issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Person, place, time. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. So we've got this happening, and he's going to talk to us about this baby being born in Bethlehem. Luke prizes his <coughs> details. He wants to have an accurate account for us to know about Jesus. So if you're going to be part of Luke's church, you're going to learn some things. You're going to be part of a healthy, detailed community. He's also described as a doctor by the Apostle Paul. So this guy's sharp. He knows his homework. He studied. He knows how to communicate. So Luke's ministry focuses on accuracy. A second part of Luke's ministry, it focuses on diversity. Focuses on diversity. And that's something that we hear about quite a bit today. But in chapter 1, verse 3, <coughs> he said, I've decided to write you an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus. He's described as most excellent. Are you ever addressed as most excellent? Maybe by your husband or wife, let's be honest. Maybe they're saying, yes, you are most excellent. Okay? We don't hear that title. The only time that this is used, it's, it's later in the book of Acts, and it's for Roman governors. So this is someone who's influential, someone who's probably wealthy. This most excellent Theophilus, this most excellent person who loves God, Theophilus, one who loves God. Some people think maybe Theophilus is writing the check for Luke to write this gospel. He's funding the project. Not so sure, maybe. Maybe it's a generic person. I think he's a real guy. He also is a follower of Jesus because he says, I want you to know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And so maybe he's younger in the faith. Maybe someone's bringing him along in a discipleship relationship. He's at least being introduced to Jesus. And so if you're new to this whole Jesus thing, you and Theophilus have something in common. And so he writes to most excellent Theophilus. But the Gospel of Luke, his church would be full of diverse people. You go through chapter 1, down in verse 18 of Luke, Luke 1, 18. There's this priest named Zechariah. Angel shows up and says, Hey, you and your wife, who is old, you're going to have a baby. You've been waiting for a child, and God's going to bring you a child. This is going to be John, John the baptizer. And here's how Zechariah responds to the angel. Luke 1.18. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Thanks, hubby. Needed to hear that one today. So we go from most excellent Theophilus, rich guy, probably, influential, to an older couple. You go down a little bit later, and there's going to be a young girl named Mary. Do you see how diverse this is getting? And we're not even out of chapter 1 yet. You go to chapter 2, and some of the first people to hear about this baby who has been born are shepherds. Shepherds weren't considered the most likable guys 
In fact, they were a despised occupation. And there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. His name is Christ Jesus the Lord. So the shepherds were some of the first people to hear this good news. That's diverse. You go down to chapter 8. 8, 1 through 3. And there's a group of ladies. And he names them. Says Jesus traveled from one town to a village, from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also were women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. That's a cool relationship. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their means. So we've got ladies coming along and supporting and providing for Jesus and the twelve. Maybe they were cooking food for him. It sounds like they had some money and they were providing. As you read through Luke's gospel, he likes to eat. Jesus likes to eat with people and he's eating with all kinds of different types of people. And if you go to chapter 14 of Luke's gospel, Luke 14, it's on Sabbath. (coughs) And Jesus went out to the house of a prominent Pharisee. Again, that's someone who's different, isn't it? Someone important, maybe wealthy. He's at their house, this Pharisee's house. And uh, he's saying, okay, when you have a dinner, here's what I want you to do. Verse 12, Luke 14. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's saying, so when you have people over for for lunch, invite the poor ones. Invite those who nobody else would invite. When you sit down at the lunch table at school, I know you can't do that as much anymore because they've got those assigned seats for you now, but back when you could choose who you sat with, would you sit with the kids that no one else would sit with? That's what Jesus would say. You come and I'll sit with you. You read through Luke's gospel, there's just so many different people coming to Jesus. That's what I love about him. If you came to his church, you, you, anybody would be welcome which is what I hope that Berlin Church is like. You just come on in. Come on, we're, we're part of this. We're all uh, fallen sinners, on, but we are saved by God's grace. You go to chapter 17, Luke's Gospel, we find some other diverse people coming to Jesus. And <coughs> Jesus on this border from uh, around Samaria, which was a hated race of people. Did you see it in the, in the video in Indonesia that they are welcoming, there's no discrimination with the racial groups? There's lots of different racial backgrounds in Indonesia and other places in the world. Did you watch the Olympic opening ceremonies? There's been talk in China. There's a, there's a special racial group that is being oppressed. And there was someone that represented that group to light the torch, so that got some controversy started. And so there's some diversity here in Samaria. There's, they're part Jew, they're part Gentile, and they're part nobody. And there's these 
lepers that come. They've got this skin disease. And so they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. And so they come to Jesus. There's ten of them. And they say, Jesus, Master, which is a favorite term of Luke, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14, Luke 17. When Jesus saw them, He said, Go, show yourselves a priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. No more leprosy. One of them, when He saw He was healed, He came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw Himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked Him. And then Luke writes this, And He was a... Samaritan. And some of the times the saying was the only good Samaritan is a dead Samaritan. And yet Jesus acknowledges this and and he asks the question, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Luke's Gospel is full of diverse people coming to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you are welcome here. We've got a companion study, this series, called The Chosen. It's not our study. It's The Chosen. Have, have you seen this? There's a handful of you. It's, I've heard good things. I still have yet to watch it. But I would encourage you, if you want to walk along and with this journey with us in Luke's Gospel, uh, the Chosen, it's on YouTube, but we've got it on Right Now Media on the bookshelf, Berlin Christian Church. If you don't have the Right Now Media yet, it's free. We want to give it to you. Um, <laughs> you can um, text, the, the, text Berlin CC to 49775. We'll give it to you free. Berlin CC to 49775. Uh, but there's tons of videos. And so they're episodes. They're, it's like real pretty good quality videos of just stories of Jesus interacting with diverse people from all walks of life. Now, I'll be honest, they've used some sanctified imagination to fill in some gaps, so not everything on the chosen is directly scriptural, so they're using some artistic liberties there, so just take that into account. But it would be a good thing to watch with your kids, your family, get a group of people, watch an episode, talk about it, what you see, Find where it's at in the Bible. Where did it connect with the Bible? Where did they say, oh, maybe this is filling in the gaps. But that'd be another way to take Luke's gospel a step further in this season that we're studying Luke. Another thing that if you were in Luke's church that he would value would be story. He values story. In fact, depending on your translation, the the word narrative may show up in verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account or write a narrative of the things that have been fulfilled among us, Luke is wanting to tell a story. And people are trying to decide, you know, what are these gospel accounts? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what are they? Are they biographies? They're sort of like a biography, but if you've read a biography and you read the gospels, that's not really a biography because you get a little bit of childhood and then it just focuses really on three years of Jesus' life. Some people say, well, they're passion narratives about the suffering of Jesus with a long introduction. Could be. But Luke values story. And Luke tells a lot of stories about Jesus. And I think it's through the stories that we get to know Jesus better. And the stories, some of them are the parables. They are they're stories of Jesus you know, telling a story. And there's two that are specific uh, 
two parables that are just Luke that you might recall. Uh, there's the parable of the good Samaritan. And there's a guy that's beat up on the ditch and there's a couple guys who will not help him up. They pass him up, but then there's this Samaritan that helps him up. It's a story. Luke tells another story of Jesus where there's a father who has two sons. It's in Luke 15. And the younger son says to his father, can I have my inheritance now? Or in other words, just drop dead, dad, give me my money. Gambles the money away, comes to his senses, returns back home. His father runs to him, kills the fattened calf, says, my son was dead, now he is alive. He was lost, he is now found. Let's celebrate. He welcomes the younger son and then he invites his older brother. Your brother's home, why don't you come in? And we're not so sure what the older brother does. If he comes in and joins the party or if he stays out and pouts. But as you read Luke's gospel, there's story. And I'm confident that we can find our story in the stories of Jesus. One key verse I want to invite you to read and underline or circle is Luke 9.51. Luke 9.51. We call these verses in the Bible hinge verses, like the hinges of a door. The whole story really hinges on this verse. So circle 9.51, mark it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. Because Luke 9.51 basically says, from here on out, life's not going to be the same says, Luke writes, as a time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, to ascend up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus set his eyes, he set his eyes on Jerusalem. His mission, go to Jerusalem, die on a cross, raise from the dead, ascend into heaven. And we're just in chapter 9. There's 24 chapters in Luke's gospel. But from chapter 9, 51 on, everything Jesus is doing is focused on getting to that cross in Jerusalem. That is the story that Luke wants his church to know and hear. Luke 9, 51, the mission of Jesus is to go and lay down his life and take it up again to rescue all of humanity. I had the opportunity to visit with one of my friends while I was on sabbatical. His name's Greg Hafer. He's the one that preached our wedding uh, years ago. And he was telling a story of uh, sitting in chapel service at Ozark Christian College. And much like we have our offering prayer, the chapel would have an offering moment to raise money for ministries and different mission opportunities. And the, the spokesperson that day was representing a ministry there in Joplin called Watered Gardens. Watered Gardens. It's a homeless shelter. It'd be like inner city mission for our context here. And so the, the director of the Watered Gardens was telling this story. He and his wife were driving through Joplin, wintry day, similar to probably what we've experienced this week. And it's a snowstorm and the sleet and the snow flying around and the, the slush on the streets. And they noticed the local homeless lady. And she's pushing her shopping cart full of her belongings. And they pull up and said, hey, the watered gardens is a warm place. You can stay five or six blocks up the road. Uh, hop in. We'll take you there. It's the man and his wife and then the homeless lady on the street. She looks at them. She looks at her cart. It's everything she has. 
she can't leave her cart. So the husband, the wife, they do some talking and they say, well, my wife will hop in, my wife will drive you, I'll push your cart up to the watered gardens. And so she's like, okay, we can do that. So the lady hops in the car and so this man is pushing this shopping cart through the snow with this homeless lady's belongings while his wife drives the, the lady to the shelter. And as he's pushing that shopping cart, have you ever tried to push a shopping cart in the snow? Does it work real good? It's not a really good experience. And the sleet and the snow are beating down on his face. And, you know, one block, two blocks, you know, he's got five or six blocks to go. And midway through his trip, he just kind of has a moment with God. He says, I wanted to just help her. I did not want to take her place. How true is that for a lot of us? I'll help you, but I ain't going to trade your places. That's the story of Luke. Jesus did not come to help us. He came to take our place. He came to lay down his life for us because that's supposed to be us on the cross because of our sins. He did nothing wrong. And Luke wants you to know there's someone who took your place. And he wants you to know with confidence who he is and what he's done for you. And he invites you into this kingdom mission along the way. So Jesus has set his eyes on Jerusalem and the goal is to be taken up into heaven. And so Luke's gospel closes. I invite you to the last chapter, chapter 24. And it's Sunday afternoon. Like Easter Sunday afternoon. And Jesus has come out of the tomb. He is alive. He's defeated death. And he's walking on this road. There's two men on a, on a road up to Emmaus, or down to Emmaus, about a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Two men walking, and Jesus just shows up. And there in verse 16, it says, but they were kept from recognizing Jesus. The word? They didn't know for certain it was Jesus. Remember how Luke started this? so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So they couldn't recognize him, and they start talking, they're like, you know, they're discussing about the things, and he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, have you not been around? Have you not heard about this guy named Jesus, this man who is powerful in word and deed? We thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And now it's the third day, and some of our ladies are saying, they went to the tomb, and there's no one there? Oh, And so he says, he starts unpacking some of the scriptures with them and starts to talk to them. And then they approach, in verse 28, they approach the village of which they are going. They're they're at Emmaus, and it's time to stop. And Jesus is acting like he's going to keep on walking. They're like, why don't you stick around? Why don't you stay for supper? And so he says, okay. They're like, it's getting late. You get to verse 30. Luke 24, when he was at the table, remember Jesus likes to eat with his people. Again, we got a table moment. When Jesus was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. What's that sound like? We just had communion, but this was just table time. They're breaking bread. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. They recognized him, 
they knew for certain it was Jesus. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? I invite you the next few weeks as we read through Luke to look to the story of Jesus so that you can know for certain who he is. That you can look to Jesus and have confidence that this good news, this story in Luke's gospel, being part of Luke's church for a little bit, is going to help us to have confidence to know Jesus better. A lot of good stories here in Luke's gospel. Which one are you going to tell this week? And who are you going to tell it to? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gift of your good news. We thank you for the good news of Jesus. And I pray that you would guide our journey with you. And I pray that as we encounter you through the Scripture, may we... We just push play on our phone and just listen to the gospel this, this week or this month that we would know you better. Give us the confidence that we need to live for you with boldness. And I thank you for your unfailing love and grace that you welcome us to your table and to your family. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that we're here for you. I'm going to be out by the prayer wall as you leave. If you'd like someone to pray with you, uh, also take advantage of that prayer wall. You can always write a prayer request.